thank you that we're here to meet with you, Lord. And Lord, we thank you, Father, that you have spoken a word over our life. We thank you that you've called us to be sons and daughters of the King. We thank you that you've redeemed us from our sin and that you've redeemed us from the pit of hell and you've given us a future and a hope. You've promised us that we will enter into your kingdom, Father. And Lord, we thank you that today, Lord Jesus, we would increasingly live in the light of your revelation. That as you, we hear the word that you've spoken over us and over our lives, that we would come to understand the potential that we have, the fruit that we can bear as we live to give you glory, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may take your seats. It's great to have you here with us today. Uh, we are starting a series, uh, well, we started last week a series on the power of your words. Um, and you might be joining us today. It might be your first time you weren't able to join us in the, in the first session. So just a quick re review um, about that. It's really important that we come to understand that our words have incredible power. Every word that we speak has the potential to bring life or the potential to bring death. Just a simple statement like you're talking to someone and you go, you're an idiot. That simple word has the power to communicate to that person something that is of death. It destroys something of their potential and capacity unless the power of that word is nullified immediately. And we came to this understanding that God has prepared us to be people that bring out life when we speak. When we are not walking with the Lord, essentially there is this idea that we can say what we want. We can say what we want based on our emotions, based upon a situation. We can just let it rip and the person that we're talking to can deal with the consequences. Yet when we become Christians, there is a challenge to us because there is a way that God would call us to speak. He calls us to consider our words, to consider the things that we are speaking into somebody's life. And if you've got nothing good to say, then shut up. But if you have got some, haven't got something good to say, or if you regularly bring out negative things, it's important that we understand that actually God has transformed us when he put his spirit on the inside of us. When his spirit came to live in us, he gave us a new heart, a new spirit, and so we became so to speak, metaphorically, good trees that could bear good fruit, that we can bring out words which speak life into somebody's situation. Because you have the power to speak life and the power to speak death over somebody, including yourself. You are a prophet of your own destiny. If God is calling you to greatness and you keep insisting, I am small, then you fail to achieve the greatness which God has prepared for you. An interesting character, if, you, if any of you will consider Saul, um, somebody to have stepped out in the, in the anointing of God, what God speaks to Saul about is that he is not going to progress as king because he continues to see himself as small in his own eyes, even though the Lord has chosen him. Saul continued to say, I'm from a small family in a small corner, and I'm the youngest, you know, I'm the least important of the members of my family. And because he failed to review his mentality and agree with who God said he was, as anointed him as king, that's why God removed him from his position. That's why he began to fail in the things that he was doing, because he didn't understand who God was calling him to be. I was watching the movie The Iron Lady just a couple of days ago, um, and there's a powerful quote that is used in that film. Watch your thoughts, for they become your words. Watch your words, because they become your actions. Watch your actions because they become your habits. Watch your habits for they become your character. Watch your character for it becomes your destiny. What we think is what we become. 
And tied into that is the words that we begin to speak out. So we've looked at this idea of the words that we speak, the words that we deliver. But today we're going to turn it and look at this message of what happens when people are bringing negativity to us. The message is entitled, Don't Talk to Me Like That. Because the problem is, when somebody tells you what they think about you often enough, if you don't know who you are, you can start to agree. If someone is regularly telling you you're stupid, you're good for nothing, you're never going to amount to anything, then if you hear it often enough times and you see some failure in your life, you're probably going to agree very strongly with what they've said. So example, your parents say you're not academically gifted, you get your first F, yeah, you're still not academically gifted. You're still not, keep getting Fs. Instead of releasing potential, you know you have the potential to get an A. If you applied yourself, if you tried hard, if we helped you, See, there's a different way of approaching things. And if it's spoken often enough, it can begin to define you. So we need to become equipped at how to resist and recognize and resist negative words that are spoken over us. So I want to take this from this perspective. How many of you like questions that you can't answer? You know, oh, Max likes questions that he can't answer. Don't know why that is. Is it because you want to prove you've got a bigger brain? Anyway, but everyone likes the question that they can answer because when you get the right answer, awesome, big smile on your face, yes, scored that. But what happens when somebody comes with a question that you can't answer? It's one that you just don't have the answer to. You know, I know that sometimes people ask a question in such a way that Einstein himself wouldn't even be able to understand because the person doesn't even understand what question they're asking. Or sometimes that question could be outside of our mental capacities, like I can't even begin to conceive of how many billions of galaxies and billions of stars there are in the universe, let alone care a hoot why it should impact me. Sometimes there's questions that just have no answer. Or sometimes there's a question that demands an answer and your life depends on it, but you just don't know how to answer that question begin to unpack what I mean by that in just a second. But I know what this is because sometimes even as you're growing in your faith, you might think, oh, you know, I've, I've hit a place, I've arrived. You know, I, there's no negative thoughts going on in my thought processes. I'm, you know, one with the Lord. I'm Obi-Wan Kenobi when it comes to seeking God. You know, I know the best. But someone asked me a question the other day. And it was a question that actually I would never have wanted to answer if I'd thought about it in the past. Or even been willing to explore the answer to that question. But at the same time, I understood when that person asked me that question, that if I didn't answer it, I would not be able to move forward in my life as a Christian. Because I've understood something important that we should all understand. If God asks you a question through a situation, it's because he's trying to teach you an invaluable lesson. And so I'm in the process of trying to figure out what the answer to that question is. And so when I've answered the question, then I'll tell you what the question was. But God asks us questions. Sometimes they're questions that we can't answer. Job, for example, Job, received a number of questions which he wasn't able to answer. The Lord speaks to him in Job 38 out of a whirlwind and says, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man and I will question you and you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me. 
if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? Or who laid its cornerstones when the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy? And he comes on to ask question after question after question, which Job finds himself unable to answer. And so in the end, Job 42, 1 through 5, Job answers, and, and to, answers the Lord and says, I know that you can do everything, and that no purpose of yours can be withheld from you. You asked, who is this who hides counsel without who hides counsel without knowledge. Therefore, I have uttered what I did not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I did not know. Listen, please, and let me speak. You said, I will question you, and you shall answer me. I have heard of you by the hearing of the ear, but now my eyes see you. The point is that sometimes there are questions that we come up against in life which we have to answer. Job could not get away from God without answering the questions that he was asked. And for him, he was having to say, God, you're God. And now I've seen you. I thought I knew what I was talking about, but now I know who you are and I have to repent. I'm sorry. I spoke out of turn. I spoke beyond the capacities of my understanding. It's vital to our progress. Job would have not moved forward if he wasn't able to answer the question that God was asking him. We need to understand that these questions, when they come to us, We can't try and ignore them. We might pretend that we've answered them, but we can't get away from the fact that these questions require an answer. And I'm going to come to the question that is most important to you today. Because God could ask us all of the questions that he asked Job. But what if he asked you this question? What are you going to do about your sin? How do you answer that question? What are you going to do about your dishonesty, your selfishness, your fear, your anger? What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about the fact that you've dishonored God with that way of life and his anger has turned towards that sin that you're walking in? How do you answer that question? Most people are unwilling to answer that question before God. And so actually, if they're unwilling to answer that question to God, they also become unwilling to answer that same question to one another. So you know what we do as people? We start to lie to ourselves and to each other about how good we actually are. Sometimes we get so good at lying about how good we are that we actually begin to believe it. And we lie to each other so that we can feel good about the self-image that we've built up with our lies. You know the biggest lie of all? I'm a good person. I'm a good person. I hear so many people say, "Uh, I'm a good person. Hang on a minute, mate. I've just heard you complaining about that person in very strong terms. I've just heard you insult that person. I've just watched you walk violently into that person. And you've also just been telling me about the serial girlfriends that you've had and how you've dumped every single one of them and how you feel so good about that. And you're telling me that you're a good person. Oh, well, I know, you know, I've grown up in a Christian family. I've always tried to behave very well. Okay. You keep lying to yourself like that. See, because Jesus said something very important. He said, there is none good. Not one except our Father who is in heaven. Our goodness is derived from His goodness alone. 
And so for us to sit around making statements that are plainly lies is to continue in a deception which will lead us to the place where we're lost and we don't know where we're going. See, all we do is build around this idea of not answering the question that we're asked. And if we're willing to lie to ourselves, then it's easy for other people to come along to you and lie to you as well. If you don't know the truth of who you are, if you're willing to lie to yourself about who you are, then other people can come and tell you things about the way they think about you. Because you have no foundation, because you have no center in who God has called you to be, that whatever they say can take hold, um, it can become an idea which builds to a thought, which begins to be a declaration over your life, which begins to become the way that you live out your behaviors. Ah, because I'm living like this, it must be true. Example, you're poor. You're poor. You got nothing. You're poor. Okay, open my wallet. I've got nothing in here, man. It must be because I'm poor. I tried to get a good job the other day, but they wouldn't even give me minimum wage. I'm going to be poor all my life. You know what? I've, I've saved everything that I could in order to pay my rent, but my wallet's still empty. I'm poor. And it becomes a way of life so that in every situation, you're watching pennies instead of watching pounds because you've begun to believe that you're poor. Other people's declarations have the power to shape us if we believe them. Each successive experience brings us multiple times to the place where we have to confront a reality that many of us don't want to, and it's this, that all of that isn't necessarily true. The lies that you tell about yourself or the lies other people tell about you aren't necessarily true. And if they're not true, it brings you to a place where you can answer this question. The moment you open up to God and say, listen, God, you know, um, I want to answer that question, you'll find that you don't have an answer. But the good thing is that he has an answer. God has the answer to sin. God has the answer to the sin that dominates you, to the sin that controls you. And so this point of realization, I can't do it. I've had to lie to myself to the point where I recognize that I can't do it. But God has an answer. Now you're in the best possible place to begin to reject the negative things that are spoken of your life and pull through into the life that God has prepared for you. So beginning with this point, what do you do when people ask you questions? What do you do when people begin to make statements over your life that aren't true or are negative or have the capacity to bring destruction? See, we need to recognize the negative words that are being spoken, these three points. Recognize the negative words that are being spoken, be empowered to break free from that negative word, and in exchange, release the destiny that God has prepared for you by speaking words of growth, of life, of truth over yourself. It's fundamental that today we understand that we do not have to accept every lie that people, be it our enemies, our friends who don't have control over their tongues, even our spiritual enemy, the devil, we don't have to accept their lies that they choose to speak over us. See, your value, your position, your destiny is not dependent on those around you who are speaking out of their own hurt and out of their own deception. You have an answer. The answer is in who the Father is and what the Father says about you. He speaks this truth. We're going to look at this, unpack this. He speaks this truth from his love, through his word, and through the community of believers that you're a part of today. 
You ever ask yourself the question, why are the Christians encouraging? Now, if you know negative Christians, give them a good slap around the head and say you don't know what you're doing, you're not honoring God. But have you ever asked yourself the question, why are the Christians so happy? And why are they always so encouraging? And why do they always have such good things to say even in the face of difficult situations? It's because they understand that the words that they speak over a situation have the power to transform that situation into a positive circumstance, no matter how bad it gets in the middle. So turn to your neighbor and tell them, don't talk to me like that. Now this is not about empowering the arrogant or the haughty amongst you. You know, you don't know what you're talking about. Who do you think you're talking to? You obviously don't know how important I am. You obviously don't know what you're saying. Because if you knew, you would just keep those words to yourself. And actually be trying to pay me to hang out with me right now because I'm such an important person. As if to say that you're unconfrontable. If you are arrogant, if you are haughty, you need to have questions asked of you because you need your attitude to be changed. God himself made himself confrontable. Remember when he was about to destroy Sodom and Abraham came to him and pleaded for the city. God, if there is 50, if there's 45, if there's 40. It's not as if God insisted insisted upon destroying a city without reference to anybody. He asked his friend Abraham and his friend Abraham was able to speak to him. This is not about empowering the arrogant and the haughty, but it is about equipping those of you who experience situations where negativity is spoken over you, whether it's in the past or whether it's present or whether it's going to be in the future. This is about enabling you to recognize a word that is spoken over you that is not God's best for you so that you can say, don't talk to me like that. I am a child of God. I am a son of God. I'm a daughter of God. I know who God says that I am. If you're a negative talker here today, please, please, please repent. If you have learned, got into habits of declaring negativity over your life, over your situation, over your friends, please, you need to repent. Because not only are you affecting yourself, but you're affecting everybody that you speak to. And you're not experiencing the life of God that he has prepared for you. If that's you, you need to forgive, you need to get let go, and you need to love. The six words in scripture that transform a situation. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Imagine a person. They've grown up in a broken home. The father and the mother had a one night stand. The child was born, never knew the father. But the mother has now married somebody else or is living with somebody else, not necessarily married. The stepfather figure is an abusive person, has alcohol, cigarettes lying around all the house, pornography lying around everywhere in front of the kids. And that kid grows up and he gets beaten and he gets called names and he gets told that he's never going to amount to anything, that he's good for nothing. And he gets to an age. Maybe this is an extreme situation, but... These days, many people experience things like this, whether it's one, all of it, or part of it. But they experience a situation like that, and they grow up to believe something about themselves because of the negativity and the environment that is spoken over them on a regular basis. Then they become Christians. 
And it's amazing the transformation that God can do in an instant. You know, for example, when I became a Christian um, and met with God, my alcohol problem immediately left. My anger problem immediately left. I met with God and literally didn't even have withdrawal from alcohol problems. Didn't even have a desire to go around and knock somebody out just for the fun of it. It just left me. But there were other things that I was still struggling with. And I understood that God had dealt with some things but not everything. And these areas were things that I needed to be dealt with before God and brought out before the Lord. And you know what transformed those things is that word. You hear the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It's not a, declar- a negative declaration. If, a negative declaration is this, I'm still a sinner. You know, I found Jesus t- 10 years ago, but I'm still a sinner. What's going on? You know, I'm still a sinner. I should have been out of this by now. I should be a pastor. I should be preaching. I should be leading thousands to Christ, but I'm still bound up by sin. I'm still a sinner. See, that's a negative declaration right there. That's something that's keeping down the potential that God has placed in you. But those six words, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus began to pull me out of a situation where the things that I was addicted to or the things I was struggling with began to transform in my life. They began to change because a positive word was now being spoken over my life. Please talk to me like that. Please tell me on the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. See, go back to that story. There's nothing more powerful than that person who's lived a life of brokenness and they come to you, I've messed up. I've sinned again. You know, Gabriel, I told you about this whole sin struggle that I have, and I thought I was free of it, but, you know, I've just fallen back into it. And he looked him in the eye and said, dude, you did mess up, but you're still the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Suddenly, life. I am. I'm going to take this back on. I'm going to start caning this situation again. I'm going to see this enemy broken off my life because there's empowerment in the positive word. There's empowerment in the word of God over your life. And to see life transformed before your very eyes as you remind people of who they are is what brings about the destruction of negative words and the bringing forth of the character and nature of God that he's placed on the inside of you. Those six words reveal the truth about who you are before God. They expose the lies that you've previously believed. And they call you to walk in the truth of God. To give you the strength to combat the lies as you climb back towards the person that God is calling you to be. We need to recognize those negative words. Are you conscious right now of the negative words that have been spoken over you? Have you got so used to hearing them and believing them that they now define who you are? What thoughts have now become the actions in your life which are defining your destiny? I want you to take a moment and ask the Holy Spirit about that. I want you to ask him to bring to mind the negative words that are in operation in your life so that today we can break them off. It's just right where you are. Just close your eyes, spend a quick 30 seconds with the Lord. There might be words like this. You're stupid. You're good for nothing. Your brother or sister are always going to be better at this than you are. You're an alcoholic. You've got a drug problem. Will you just shut up already? You've got nothing good to say. You're a whore. You're a prostitute. You're good for nothing. You're going to become like your dad. No matter how hard you try, you're going to end up like them. And then you'll be sorry. What words have been spoken into your situation which right now are defining you? Because if they're negative words, they have no place in your life any longer. So it's important we understand this. 
that every time somebody takes one of those words and makes a statement about you, they are actually asking you a question. You know, you're always going to be a thief. You are always going to be a cheater. You are always going to be a liar. You're always going to be a deceiver. Sounds like a statement. But they're actually asking you a question. And this is the question they're asking you. Do you actually know who you are? Do you know who you are before God? Because if you don't know who you are, I'm going to let you know. I'm going to tell you. I'm going to tell you that you're a liar. I'm going to tell you that you're a cheater. I'm going to tell you that you have no way forward. And I'm going to keep lying to you because there's nothing you can do to stop me because you don't know who you are. The reason I started with this point about questions is if you understand that that statement is actually a question, you have an answer. If somebody comes to you to make a statement, you know, because of your race, you are never going to work in this company, for example. It sounds like a statement, but you have an answer. Because it's really a question. Hang on. I know that I'm Chinese. And I know that I'm English. And I know that that combination is the combination that you need. Because the Chinese are the most hardworking people in the world. Isn't it true, Joshua? Amen. And I'm English. (laughs) So I have the answer. But if somebody asks you a question about your actual character, you can now come back because it's really a question. I know who, hang on, you can't say that to me. You can't talk to me like that because I know who I am. You might be trying to tell me that I'm a liar, but actually God has redeemed me. He's forgiven my sin and he has changed my character. So even though I did that a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago, today I'm a different man, different woman because of who the Father says I am. Do you understand? Such a difference. Because the negative words that are spoken over you, they are not the image of the Father for you. They are the image of the devil for you. The orphan spirit trying to convince you of who you are. It might sound simplistic to put it in those terms, but at a basic level, these are the facts on which we're shaped. Ideas become thoughts, become words, and when we speak them out, we are agreeing with those words and giving them power. The only reason that any lie has power over your life is if you believe it and speak it out. Think of a playground bully. Think of all the manner of words that they use to describe you. Think of the ways that they used to, the nicknames, the bully names that they used to come up with. They're seeking to strip away the image of the father in you. I remember the bully in my school, and everyone used to be scared of him. And I, because everyone else was scared of him, I kind of felt like I ought to be scared of him as well. And he was bigger than me, height-wise, you know, weight-wise. I was a skinny boy back then. Imagine that by faith, because, you know, one day it will be so again. But... Um, I remember one day he decided that it was my time, my time to get beaten up. And I thought, okay, all right. And I I looked at him, and I looked at the situation, and people were watching. I thought, all right, my time. Picked him up, dumped him on his back, started beating him. And I get up, and I thought, oh, that wasn't that difficult. (laughs) You know, there was this whole image that had been built up and was being spoken into my life about from this guy. And I ended up coming away thinking, What was it all about? You realize it's all smoke and mirrors. You realize that the negative words that are spoken over you, they're not true. They are not you. They don't define you. 
They're just words of flesh and death which are designed to corrupt the image of God in you. But there is one more powerful than those words working in you. His name is Jesus. And he has the power to speak words of spirit and of life to release in you all the hidden treasures, the hidden wonders that God has placed on the inside of you. Because when he calls out those treasures, when he calls out those characteristics, when he calls out those attributes and you begin to move in them, you're giving him glory. God wants you to give him glory through your life. How many of you know that you're on a journey with the Lord today? You're walking with God. Maybe we're not quite all that God is calling us to be. If you are already there, then let me know how it is, um, and I'll keep going because I want more of God than you've settled for. But just in that phrase, the Father calling, our truth is found in his truth, who the Father is calling us to be. Think about Jesus. Before Jesus came into being upon the earth, the Father who created all creation was speaking out his attributes over the earth. In Isaiah 9, 6, it says it's written many hundreds of years before the person of Christ on the earth. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder, and his name will be Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forward, even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Says, the Father said of Jesus, he will be called wonderful, counselor, mighty God, prince of peace. He will be a savior. All of those words were spoken out over Jesus And it says that the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. It was God's intention to bring all of that to fruition in his son, Jesus Christ, as he walked the earth. It's powerful because the same father who spoke those words over Jesus is the same father who's speaking words right now over you. The same father who for many millennia, if you even want to quantify in time how God thinks, has been thinking about you, dreaming about you, speaking things over your life, declaring things over your life. Even right now, Jesus is praying for you. That same Father is releasing those things, and it's his zeal which causes him to desire to see that truth brought out in you. It's his zeal, it's his passion, it's his desire to see all of the things that he's spoken out about you brought into being. He is going to do it. In Philippians 1.6, it says, Let us be confident of this thing. That he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. See, that's the nature of the Father. And that's the, actually, it's the nature of fathers in general. To see and identify that which is in you and to call it out. To see potential and to release it. To see character and to release it. To appreciate aspects of your personality, aspects of your character. It speaks of recognizing the gold that God has placed in you. The image of himself. And we need fathers today. If you're a man in the church, if you're a a woman in the church, you can rise up to be a father figure, a mother figure, to release what God has placed on the inside of you and to call it out of those that God places around you. We need it so much because they build identity and they give affirmation and they strengthen you in the way that God is calling you to go. The father is calling out the gold that he's placed on the inside of you. That means that any negative word that has been spoken about you 
has to fall under the weight of his words. Somebody has come to you and said, you're ugly. You know what? You just fell out the ugly tree. You hit every branch on the way down. And then, you know. But the Bible says that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. God says of you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. See, he doesn't see the way that the world sees you. He sees what he's placed on the inside of you, and he considers that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. Maybe someone say to you, you're stupid, and you just don't know what to say. That's why you keep stammering. That's why you keep fumbling your words, because you just don't know what to say. You're an idiot. But God says that you have the mind of Christ, and that he will teach you what you need to say when you stand before kings. You don't go stand before kings and start stumbling and muttering when God is on your side. He gives you the words to say and speak out in those situations. So even though somebody else has told you you're never going to have the right things to say before God, with the anointing of God, you're able to say the things that he places on your heart. God is calling out something in you. And it's important that we understand this. We cannot just replace negative speaking with positive declaration. We need to replace our foundation for who we are, that we are created by the Father who is in heaven, that he identifies us as his sons and daughters and live from that place, agree with the declaration of the Father over our lives. See, you unroot negative words when you've found yourself in Christ and agree with the word that he's spoken of you, not just by positive declaration. What happens if you wake up in a bad mood one day? What happens if you slip and just have a blowout and just start speaking negativity over your life because of the situation you find yourself in. No, we find our security in God. We find our position in God. Because God never uses lies to shape our character. God never uses, for example, fear in order to teach you a lesson. God never uses anger to teach you a lesson. He only uses truth. The truth about who he is and the truth about who he says you are. And in Ephesians 2, 1 through 3, this is the foundation which we find ourselves in. He has made us alive. We were dead in sin and trespasses, and we once walked according to those sins and trespasses, according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we all once conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath just like the others. But God who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ, for by grace you have been saved. He raised us up together. He made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness towards us who are in Christ Jesus. When the Father asks you a question, what are you going to do about your sin? Father, you know, Jesus died for me. Jesus took my sin. You know that he did that, and I put my trust in him. Because of that, I thank you that you give me new life. Because of that, I thank you that you're now speaking a positive word over me. I thank you that you're speaking truth over the rest of my life. And from that place, we begin to flourish. And the Father will ask us more questions. But the questions are designed to bring out the areas that you still struggle with negativity so that you can increasingly walk into the person that God is calling you to be.
Your destiny is tied up with you increasingly agreeing with his word of your life. Following me. So right now, I'm sure that as we've been speaking, as I've been speaking, the Holy Spirit's been highlighting to you a lie that you believe to be true about yourself. And he's giving you a scripture as well to show you the difference. The truth that he's spoken about you and the lie that you're believing about yourself. And that lie needs to be dealt with today. Some of you have even had lies spoken into your life using scripture. You know, the devil uses scripture to, to bring questions of you, to speak lies into your life, to speak over you. He did the same to Jesus when he tested him in the, devil, in, the, in the wilderness. I have an example of that. One time, somebody wrote to me, and they shared a word, which was great. And so I thought, okay, fantastic, thank you, filed it away. But the next time they sent me a word, this time the word says, you're in rebellion against the Lord, and here's a scripture to prove it. And I sat there for a while, and I actually, for some reason, was stupid enough it happens. Stupid enough to think, am I? You know, is there a situation in my life where I could be in rebellion to the Lord? And it began to play on my mind. And suddenly I was like, hang on a minute, hang on a minute. What the heck am I doing? That is a negative word that has been spoken over me. And I went and checked it. Of course, I went and said, Colin, you know, Bruce, do you think that I'm in rebellion? No? Okay, sure. I thought I wasn't as well, but I just needed to make sure. But then I rejected that word. And the scripture, even though they'd used it in my situation, wasn't relevant for me. See, if I hadn't even known, that's me, someone who I believe I know who I am or an increasingly growing in that. If I didn't know who I was, that would have caused me to question everything and it would have knocked me for six. And some of you today are sitting here in the pews or in the seats because you don't believe in your ministry or who God is calling you to be because somebody has said something over you using scripture. You've got to ask yourself a question when someone quotes scripture to you. Is this affirming who I am in Christ? Or is it seeking to pull down who he's told me I am? Because if it's seeking to pull down who he's told me I am, out the window with it. Don't be deceived. It's where we need the gift of discernment. It's where we need this discerning of spirits. We need to seek wisdom and we need to seek understanding. But what happens when somebody, this is where we get into it. You've got a negative word that the Lord's brought to mind. Or maybe you could be facing a situation in the near future where someone tries to bring a negative word. What is it that you do? It's not enough that you just sit there and take it. I'm nodding on the outside, but I'm disagreeing on the inside. That doesn't work. See, whenever somebody speaks something over you, that word has power. So it's not enough to give mental assent. You have to contradict the word that is being spoken over your life. You know what? I really believe that you're always going to be stunted in this area. You're always going to have an attitude problem. You're never going to grow out of it. You're always going to be the same. Hang on a second. Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't talk to me like that. I know that I'm teachable. I might take a while to figure things out, but I know that I'm teachable. And so you don't have a right to speak that over me because I'm willing to go before God and I'm willing to learn. You have to speak it out. Because in speaking it out, you immediately counter the word of power that has been spoken over your situation. You have to cut it down. So if somebody comes to you with negativity, you have to bring back the spirit of the Lord against that situation. Because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. They're mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, for casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts themselves against the knowledge of God. Bringing every thought into captivity, even to the obedience of Christ. 
and punishing all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. See, they have to be identified and they have to be refuted when they come. So you need to walk around with a discerning spirit on, recognizing what people are saying to you. If you're in an environment regularly where people are breeding negativity, speaking negativity, get out of it. Or at least start telling people to shut up in the nicest possible way. Don't be passively accepting these things. Don't be actively accepting these things. Because people are asking you this question, do you know who you are? And you have to give an answer. 1 Peter 3 verse 15 it says, Sanctify the Lord God in your hearts. Remember God. And always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. Whenever somebody comes to challenge the image of God that is in you, have an answer. Have an answer. Be ready. Honor God. Have an answer. Because you have to give an answer for the hope that is on the inside of you. Know who you are. Live from who you are, who the Father says that you are. But what do we do when we find ourselves in a situation where we just don't know yet? We're inquiring as to the will of the Lord. We maybe believe that God is calling us to open a new business. And somebody comes along and says, well, well you know what? Um, I believe that God is telling me to tell you that that business is not going to flourish. You know, people often use this, God is telling me to tell you because they want to tell you. Because they're really jealous. You know, not God. That kind of stuff does happen. Would you believe it? In church as well. Amazing. And if you're not sure, if you're not sure where God is calling you, if you're not sure what God is doing, you might take that situation, you might take that word on in your life and you might allow it to destroy the dream that God has placed on the inside of you. What do you do when you're still waiting on the Lord for his word? If you're genuinely waiting with an open heart, maybe you're in a situation where you're in a relationship and um, you're just not sure if this really is the one or not. Now there are some people that make this person the one even though they're not the one before God. God, is this the right one? Yes, thank you. Don't even God, give God a chance to answer. But if you're genuinely asking, waiting on God, what you do in a situation like that when you don't yet know, Proverbs 4.23, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the issues of life. Put away a deceitful mouth and put perverse lips far from you. Let your eyes look straight ahead and your eyelids look right before you. Ponder the path of your feet and let all of your ways be established. Don't turn to the right or to the left. Remove your foot from evil. You need to start taking authority over the negative words. We're going to pray in just a minute. Walk in the revelation of who you are. Identify the negativity that doesn't align with the word of truth over your life. And begin to cast that thought down with the truth of scripture for you. All of you will have a word right now that God has spoken to you about. And we're going to pray about this. And I want to share a story with you just before we come to pray about it. It's a passage in Zechariah 3 verse 1. He showed me the high, Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord. And Satan standing at his right hand to oppose him. And the Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. For the Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is this not a, a brand plucked from the fire? Joshua was clothed with filthy garments and was standing before the angel. Then God answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away these filthy garments from him. And to him he said, See, I have removed your iniquity from you, and I will clothe you with rich robes. And he said, Let them put a clean turban on his head. So they put a clean turban on his head, and they put clothes on him. And the angel of the Lord stood by. 
And the angel said to Joshua, If you will walk in my ways, if you will keep my command, then you will also judge my house and likewise have charge of my courts. I will give you places to walk amongst those who stand here. Joshua was filthy, negativity all over him. God took away the filthy arguments, the filthy lies, the words that he had seen spoken over him, and in a place gave him a rope, gave him a turban, gave him position, gave him authority. That's what God has done for all of you. In his son, by taking away your sin, he's taken away the filthy ropes. He's placed upon you robes of righteousness. And he's calling out of you the gold that is in you. So those negative words, they have no part in you any longer. They do not belong with you. They need to be broken off of your life today. So we're going to pray. What we're going to do is I'm going to lead you in a quick prayer. I'll pray over you. And then you guys are going to just say, Lord, this word that you shared with me, this negativity, this area of my life where people have said stuff and I've believed it. Right now, I reject that lie. And in its place, I receive your love. I receive your identity for my life. Simple prayer, okay? Father, I thank you so much for everybody that's here. And Lord, the way that you've been ministering to them about the negative words that have been spoken over their life, but the love that you have for them. And Father, right now, As they're before you, I thank you, Father, for removing the power, the fruit of those negative words spoken over them and releasing in your your children new life today. So right where you are, just, Lord, this situation, I reject that lie in the name of Jesus and I accept your truth that I'm much loved by you, that you have a destiny for me, that you have a plan for me. Right now where you are, just start to pray before the Lord. Reject those negative lies. Father, we thank you that whenever people come with us to us with a statement, it's a question that we can answer with the truth that says, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And so, Father, I thank you for your people here today, your sons and your daughters, Lord. Lord, as they are breaking the negative control of their life, and Lord, I thank you for your word, individual, personal word to each one of them about their value, about their purpose, about their destiny, about what you've created them for, that everybody here has a purpose on the earth, that they were created with purpose. And so, Lord, we release that destiny over their life right now, Father. We begin to speak the words of love and affirmation of the Father over their situation, over their heart. Lord, we thank you, Father, that that negativity that they've agreed with about fearfulness, about anger, about rage, about weaknesses, about addictions, about emotional problems, all of those negative words right now, we cut them off in the spirit. Lord, we thank you for your freedom, Lord God, upon people right now. And Lord Jesus, we thank you that they step forward into who they are in you increasingly and they see transformation begin to happen as they agree with your truth, your word over their lives. In Jesus' mighty, mighty name, we pray. Amen. Thank you, Buckingham.